Hi, Tony Hines here, and you're listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. Great to be here. Now, when it comes to challenges in supply chains, some of you might say, well, there are many, but I just want to focus on five. And rather than those that trouble us on a daily basis, I want to think about those challenges that are more strategic, in other words, longer term and underlie the everyday challenges. And so I'm going to focus on those. These changes in supply chains which are strategic revolve around some fundamentals that have been changing for the past few years and continue to do so, but perhaps more rapidly. One of those changes, of course, has been the switch since about 2000. That's increased in speed as we've moved from a physical world of logistics to a digital world of logistics and, of course, to business both B2B and B2C, that's business to business and business to consumer, having become much more focused on e-commerce transactions and digital communication. Global e-commerce in 2022 was 5.7 trillion US dollars, and it's forecast to grow to 6.51 trillion in 2023. That's according to both eMarketer and Statista. And so this transformation from the analog world to the digital world, which I mentioned back in my book in 2000, when it was just beginning, has become much more rapid and much more central to the processes that we operate in supply chains. The technology has improved immensely and it's given us the tools and the wherewithal to actually conduct not only our business online, but our communications with customers and suppliers in a different way than we did in the world of face-to-face. When people simply went to a retail store to buy goods as consumers, they now are often at home on a device, often a mobile device that they carry around with them so they can do transactions from anywhere and at any time. Any place, anywhere, any time. That's the digital world. It's both an opportunity and a threat. And people buy at the oddest times. I remember reading around the holiday period in the Christmas season that many people ordered goods online on Christmas Day. And that's an increasing trend. People will just order what they want at any particular time. And they will search for the products or services that they need, or perhaps not just need, but wish to buy, and do comparisons across various sites before making a decision and a choice. And they look at things on the supplier side, such as the price, the product, and the delivery times that they're going to achieve. Business has become 24-7. 365. And that means it's continuous. It's, there's no stopping point. No breaks for weekends, Saturdays and Sundays. But the machine continues. And what I mean by the machine continuing is that we can order anytime, either as a business or as a consumer, using online technologies. Now, the biggest risk, of course, to e-commerce and to business is cyber 
attack. Because what happens when the machine stops? There's a title from an E.M. Forster novel, isn't there? The machine stops. So what happens when the machine stops? Well, essentially, business will grind to a halt. So anything that affects and disrupts the cyber activities of businesses and consumers will impact markets and global supply chains. So that's my number one. That's the biggest change in the past two decades. And that change is still happening and it's rapid. And one of the big challenges for supply chains and supply chain managers will be the ability to secure the systems that manage the markets and the transactions and the deliveries of goods and services without unwanted interference from criminals and rogue states. So what's the strategic prescription? Well, it's to stay up to date. It's to be aware of the new technologies and what they can do to help the processes, making them secure and effective and staying ahead of competition. And if you're not staying ahead, at least stay in line with competition. So it will require considerable investment, considerable know-how and vigilance. Pricing, payment and fulfilment are all part of the challenges within this strategic change required by this particular trend in e-commerce. Managing the risks, being agile and resilient are required. When it comes to pricing, there are two issues when we think about e-commerce, particularly international e-commerce retailing, e-business, which is international. There's currency exchange and it's the sensitivity of prices that we set in the market. So both of those need careful thought. Payments, of course, can be facilitated by all kinds of global systems. We have credit and debit card processors such as Stripe, Apple, Google, Amazon and others. Customer service is also a challenge and most people when they deal online mention that they want customer service to be an important part of the e-commerce experience. And that employs technology, not just phone, email, but live chat, web chat and systems based in the cloud that can give you real-time up-to-date information. Shipping and logistics, of course, is a big consideration. You want to reduce the amount of friction in the supply chain and make the operation as smooth as possible for the customer. And delivery times, speed, reliability of carriers, making sure that you've considered all the costs, relevant taxes, are all important to the process. Now, the second thing I'm going to mention is culture. And that might seem an odd one, strange, but it isn't really. It's very important because in supply chains, the culture has to be right. There has to be a can-do attitude. There has to be knowledge, skill, and there has to be a willingness to learn and to change. And sometimes supply chains and logistics operations can be very conservative in nature. People might be resistant to the change that's proposed. This is the way we've always done it. Why do we need to change? Not sure that's going to improve it. 
So we have to find ways to change the culture of people working in the supply chain. And why have I put this as my number two? Well, it could have been my number one, but I wanted to give you a heads up and a start on the changing nature of the technology that's available. And that leads me to consider this second challenge, which is that people have to change and adapt and be flexible and learn to develop processes and systems that can be agile when market disruption occurs. And we all know that in the past few years with the pandemic and the war in Ukraine and other natural disasters, that disruptions do occur. We had the holdup in the Suez Canal. You can listen to the whole episode on that. When the canal was blocked for 10 days, no ships could get through and pass, had to divert around the Cape, and it added about three days to journey times. But worse than that, it caused logistic jams at ports and, of course, shortages of container boxes because they were all in the wrong places. Historically, supply chain systems and processes have been rigid, but they need to be flexible. Flexibility is key to being able to respond quickly to change. And that's change in the market, change in the method of delivery, change in the processes, all change. Rigidity begins in the mind. It's a barrier that we place to protect ourselves from change. We can be quite stubborn and quite resistant. And supply chain operators develop methods and processes that work and they don't want to change them. And I'm reminded of Kurt Lewin's very thoughtful article on strategy where he talked about change and how to implement change. When we develop our processes and our methods of doing something, we fix them for a period of time. In other words, we freeze them. But unfreezing them is quite difficult. We don't really unfreeze them unless we really have to, unless we're forced to. But we should begin to think about unfreezing them more frequently and looking for opportunities to improve things continuously. Now, this isn't to say that we need to change things all the time. It's a notion of continuous change. It's looking for the opportunity rather than being stuck in the past. And we don't want to be frozen in time. If you get frozen in time, you could very soon find that the ice age you've locked yourself into closes the business down. So you want to unfreeze. Kurt Lewin talked about unfreezing the processes so that it can discuss, open up a discussion with people about how to change things for the better. And then what happens inevitably? We do make that change. And once we've gone over the hump of change, we lock it down again. We freeze it. But there is an opportunity to remain open rather than freezing it for set periods of time. Now, of course, nobody wants to change everything all the time because that's quite expensive to do as well. But there is a need to stay vigilant. And that's what I meant by the vigilance talked about earlier. When we think about this shift in culture, this embedded culture that we're trying to put in the organisation, one of the best ways to think about it might be to think of an organisation as a learning organisation, as Peter Senger said. Because if we can learn from just being in the organisation, that's important. But we also have to look outside the organisation to see what others are doing. So we have to look both inside and outside to be vigilant. And that way we can 
embed change when we need to. We can think about systems that develop. Most organizations aren't built on day one with everything that they need. Organizations grow and develop over time. And what happens in those organizations is we invest maybe a new warehouse, some new equipment, and then we get on with the job. And then we do some more investment in a new system to deal with maybe inventory and manage that inventory. And then we find that we need another system to manage transport and distribution. And then we need another system for customers and so on. And so what we're doing is we're investing at different times in the organization and putting different systems in place. And sometimes these systems are not compatible with each other. They can be quite fragmented and they can act as misinformation or a barrier which stops us achieving visibility in the supply chain because the systems don't speak to each other. And it's very important to recognize when this occurs, especially when we've got new technological developments and we've got these new cloud systems which we can employ that have lots of different technologies combined in such a way that they can work together to improve operations. You don't want to be the organization left behind. In other words, you want the best available technologies to serve your customers better. And you don't want to be locked in time, frozen in time, at some past point, which will mean you'll lose customers, you won't be able to provide the service, and you won't be able to deliver in the way the modern supply chain expects. So having a culture that's open to learning and improvement is my number two. The number three challenge is to manage the Vs. Now this is built around my own research and the 7V model I developed to manage supply chains. And the 7V model includes volumes, velocity, visibility, virtuality, variability, variety and value. Most of these are fairly self-explanatory and if you want to read about them you can go to my supply chain strategy book and take a look at how I've configured the seven V's into a framework for strategic direction. But obviously you have to manage the volumes and those volumes can change. They go up, they go down. And in complex supply chains where you're handling lots of products, lots of different SKUs within the supply chain, then it's not a uniform movement in the oscillations and the arrangements and flows of inventories that happen in the supply chain. And so volumes have to be carefully managed. And that careful management is not easily done by an individual. You need systems and processes in place using digital technologies to manage volume variation. Volatility is, of course, something that occurs within supply chains. Sometimes the volatility is within tolerance limits and it doesn't impact the outcome. But at other times, the volatility causes major disruption and that major disruption is passed on to customers and partners in the supply chain. So, for example, a pandemic, a volcano eruption, the destruction of land through earthquakes, which disrupts transportation, a tsunami in the oceans of the world, wars and geopolitical events. 
and other man-made or human-made problems. So we have natural disasters and human disasters that introduce volatility into our supply chains. And it's how we are capable and able to manage that volatility, which demonstrates the resilience and agility of supply chains. And that has to be managed through the systems and processes and also through the culture of our organizations and the attitude of mind. And then variety is another one of the V's which we're talking about inventory here and the number of stock keeping units and the variety of stock that you have in the organization to manage in your supply chain. Velocity is the speed at which the flows and the cycles occur in the supply chain. And it's important to have a good understanding of how those velocities and supply chain flows change through time. Because that way you can smooth the supply chain, you can eliminate blockages and you can ensure that the customer is satisfied because you have a throughput model that can be managed effectively to provide customer service. This is also a place where Little's law can be applied to understand volumes, velocity, capacity. Virtuality is about using the technology to have control of all the Vs. And it's a way, it's a means of having visibility over the whole supply chain, the total supply chain. And that's essential. And variability is about managing the quality. And quality processes can be managed finally after you've put the Vs together. Hopefully you will have created a supply chain with value. And it's through value that we achieve supply chain advantage. It's through our value proposition to the customer. It's through our value creation processes and systems and having our supply chain both efficient and effective. Another way to look at this is that the other Vs have managed our value streams in the supply chain. At number four, geopolitical risk and uncertainty. When it comes to the geography and politics in global supply chains, there's plenty of it. With large potential to disrupt, and we've seen much of it in the past year or so. And so we can think about the war in Ukraine. We can think about the COVID-19 pandemic as just two things that have severely disrupted supply chains in the past couple of years. But it's what lies beneath the geopolitical risk, and that's energy cost, water shortages, human trafficking, labor practices, and criminal activity that goes hidden in the dark economy. There's also the potential for the coming crisis in the South China Sea, as China wishes to annex Taiwan. If we explore just one of these issues, energy, and we think about the energy crisis that has the potential to close factories down, it has the potential to disrupt all kinds of markets, and it has the potential to stop the development of transition to sustainable travel with electrical vehicles. So geopolitical risks are right at the top of the agenda 
when it comes to thinking about supply chains. What can an organisation do? Well, simply observe and act ethically in its own arrangements, in its own supply chains with supply chain partners and ensure that those risks are minimised at least. Of course, you can't simply reduce the risk to zero. That's impossible. It's not in the hands of any single organisation to do so. The big geopolitical risks, of course, will come as countries fight over energy resources, over rare earth metals and water supplies. The final challenge on my list in the five is sustainability. And sustainability is also associated with climate change. When we think of sustainability, there's a limit to the finite resources on Earth. And those resources need to be conserved, preserved and used wisely so that future generations can also benefit from the Earth's resources. Humans have been very wasteful when it comes to resources and depleted resources, which has also impacted climate change. Much of the fossil fuel burning that's happened since the 19th century, particularly in the 20th century and 21st centuries, has changed the warming of the oceans and the planet generally, and it's impacted human, animal life and vegetation. It's changed the nature of the environments, and that's something that humans can do something about. Although we get told in the Climate International Report, the ICC report, that there isn't much time in which to act to keep the temperatures below those necessary to change what's already happened. What can organisations do in their own supply chains? Well, they can do a lot. They can think about their sourcing, which needs to be done ethically, sustainably, so that you're not depleting the resources, use different materials in design or the makeup of products to think about the way in which those materials are withdrawn from the earth, think about the technologies employed to mine and cultivate land, to think about changing the way we do things generally and the materials that we use and also the transportation and distribution of those materials around the globe. Are we using clean energy to process materials? Are we using clean energy to transport and distribute materials? So you can make a contribution to the sustainable goals that the UN have put together by thinking about what you can do in your own supply chain. Well, there we have it. Five challenges that impact global supply chains with some indicators of what you might be able to do to face up to those challenges. I hope you've enjoyed the episode. If there are any episodes that you've missed or you'd like to listen to, drop by the website, pick them up and have a listen. I'm Tony Hines, I'm signing off and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye for now.
Chain Reaction Podcast is written, presented and produced by Tony Hines. Hi, I'm Tony Hines. I'm here to tell you about the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. I've been researching and writing about supply chains for over 25 years. I wrote my first book on supply chain strategies in the early 2000s. Each week we have special episodes on particular topics relating to supply chains. Now we have a weekly news roundup every Saturday at 12 noon. All things impacting global supply chains in that week. So come and join us on the Chain Reaction Podcast. I look forward to seeing you there. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. Bye for now.